This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. More than 11 million Americans are caregivers to someone with Alzheimer's disease. One caregiver shares his story, along with advice and encouragement for others. Once I knew that I had to let go of this person who once was, so I can embrace this person who now is. And once then, I joined her world. It made such a difference. Then, every year, many students attend community colleges with hopes to transfer later to a university. But the transfer process is a complicated maze. Students will often take classes that don't count, only to be told that some of the classes they took didn't align with the requirements needed to get their degree. Those two stories and more are straight ahead. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Millions of Americans are caregivers to people with Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. It's a challenging responsibility to say the least, but one caregiver has advice and encouragement to share. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Marty Schreiber, former Wisconsin governor and advocate for Alzheimer's caregivers. He took care of his wife, Elaine, who suffered from Alzheimer's almost 20 years before passing away. The experience yielded his book, My Two Elaines, Learning, Coping, and Surviving as an Alzheimer's Caregiver. Marty, you met Elaine in high school and married her later. Sounds like yours was a love story that few get to experience. Well, I was so fortunate. We were freshmen in Latin class in high school, and I fell in love with her almost immediately. And then we dated and we went steady and we got engaged and we got married and we had four children and 13 grandchildren, now seven great-grandchildren. And she was everything to me. And I was just so fortunate. So that was the first Elaine. When I would run for election, she would be the hottest working campaigner. And if I would lose, she would never let me feel defeated. And I think of all of the things Elaine could have done for me is to make sure that I would understand that I will never be defeated. Mm. And in her 60s, you started noticing changes in her symptoms. What were they? Well, she got lost going to and from places she had been going to and from for 10 years. And she was a great cook. And sometimes then she would mess up her recipes so badly that she would cry. She would scrape the side of the car going in and out of the garage. And those were the beginnings. And while you just sort of put up with it for the time being, then as enough of those experiences occur, you say, wait a minute, there's something not right. Mm -hmm. And you advise caregivers to learn about Alzheimer's. So what is perhaps the most important thing for them to know? There's a basic principle, and that is if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. And as long as I was ignorant of the disease, I was not able to help Elaine as much as I could have. And once I began to know that I had to join her world, once I knew that I had to let go of this person who once was so I can embrace this person who now is, and once then I joined her world, it made such a difference because what happened was, when I was trying to pull her in my world, no, Elaine, it didn't happen on a Thursday. It happened on a Friday. It wasn't the Smiths. It was the Joneses. Why are you putting the car keys in the dishwasher? You're asking me the same question over and over. I told you 15 minutes ago, five minutes ago. three, And so all of those things were impacting on her. 
of things she never knew she said. And so finally when I joined her world and knew that whatever she was saying or doing is that was okay and that's where I was and that's what I was going to respond to. So out of love, you played along with her. Well, yeah, out of love, I played along with her, but also for just human compassion. And, you know, love and compassion could be two different things, but out of compassion. For example, once she asked me how my parents, and I said, well, they're both dead. Well, the shock on her face when she realized maybe she didn't go say goodbye, much less attend the funeral. So I promised myself I would never put her through that again. And the next time she asked me, how are my parents? I said, they're great. Your mom likes going to her church work and your dad likes that. Oh, she said, that makes me feel so good. Well, that's therapeutic fibbing. Therapeutic fibbing is joining their world and being with them. Marty, what is redirection? It's 9.30 in the morning. Elaine says, I want a glass of wine. No, you can't have a glass of wine. It's 9.30. That is not the answer. The answer is you want it in a tall glass, so in a small glass, white wine, red wine. You want to drink it with your sisters. And so what I'm doing is I'm not saying, no, you can't have a glass of wine at 9.30 in the morning because you cannot fight with Alzheimer's. If someone with Alzheimer's makes up their mind to do something, it's almost impossible to change it. And so then by working through redirection, by having Elaine now think of other things than that direct glass of wine, it makes such a difference. And I think we caregivers have to ask ourselves, when our loved one does something we think is sort of abnormal or out of character, our first question is, does it matter? So Elaine would grab someone else's coat, or we would be at dinner and she would take their wine, or who knows what else she might be doing that's sort of different and out of the ordinary. Well, does it matter? And so she can keep that coat for a little bit of time and she can keep that wine for her. And say, Elaine, thanks for grabbing that wine. It could have spilled otherwise. Mm. We're visiting with former Wisconsin Governor Marty Schreiber, an advocate for Alzheimer's caregivers. He shares his journey caring for his wife in the book, My Two Elaines, Learning, Coping, and Surviving as an Alzheimer's Caregiver. So how do you cope with an Alzheimer's patient who seems upset about something but cannot communicate what's wrong? Well, you have to be patient, first of all, but then also I consider it to be like a detective searching for something. So with Elaine, for example, she was a great cook. And what I finally came up with was the idea of chopping celery. Oh, we chopped a lot of celery. She was a wonderful homemaker. And so one of the things we did was we folded towels. And after the folding towels was over, I took them in another room, shook them out, brought them back. Not to be disrespectful or mean, but to get her mind in a situation where she was feeling comfortable and at ease and making a contribution. This is another factor. Once we were having lunch in assisted living cafeteria, and she began to cry. And I said, Elaine, why are you crying? Well, she said, I'm beginning to love you more than my husband. Well, I didn't ask her what's wrong with your turkey husband, but what that meant to me was it is not necessary for her to know my name in order for our hearts to touch. And so if we caregivers look at trying to help our loved one live their best life possible, one of our goals would be for our hearts to touch. That can be done through holding hands. That can be done through listening to music, just simply rubbing a forearm, giving a hug, or just being there looking out the window and watching the leaves and the flowers and so forth. And so it's one of the toughest jobs in the world because caregivers realize that no matter what they do, they cannot spot the progress of this disease. And you did just touch on your wife slipping away. 
I know it's difficult to talk about, but how were you able to cope with your grief and loneliness? Well, sometimes I wasn't. I became susceptible to what I called the caregiver's poison. I drank a lot. I drank too much. And finally, I was willing to go for help. And I think if there's one big, huge mistake that we, particularly male givers, make, we don't ask for help. We, you know, we are so proud. You know, we don't ask for directions. We did whatever we did great in our life. And we're not going to let this disease beat us. Well, that's not right. We've got to understand that this disease cannot be beaten head on. And that by asking help means we're not giving up. It means that we are making a determined effort to help our loved one live their best life possible. And if a friend or relative wants to volunteer to help the caregiver, what sorts of help or support should they offer? One of the most important things that any friend or relative of a caregiver can do is to acknowledge that they understand what they're going through. When that acknowledgement is made, it's just, oh, someone finally understands and realizes that. But then also to say, not call me sometime when you need help. Well, that's baloney because we caregivers, we don't call sometimes when we need help because we're going to do it ourselves. But for the friend to say, well, listen, I can pick up the medications, the prescriptions from the store, or I can uh, take your loved one for a walk or take care of the dog or mow the lawn. But very specific items become very important to offer to the caregiver. Former Wisconsin Governor Marty Schreiber, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your very important advice for Alzheimer patient caregivers. I'm very grateful for the opportunity and thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, students struggle with college transfer plans. That story coming up. Stick around, there's more InfoTrack straight ahead. Yeah.